0: Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that, first of all, that we can call you Father. We thank you, God, that we can call you Father. The greatest Father of all on this Father's Day. We honor you. We honor you. It's such a delight to have as our Father, the great I Am, the God of the universe, the God who formed everything with one word. The God who has all authority. The God who is all Lord most high. You have no equal. You have no rival. God, we praise you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. I pray that you will tabernacle with us, God, through the whole service in every classroom and all through the service today. Father, we pray that you be glorified. Your Holy Spirit will be at work here to do your will, that you will have your way and you will be lifted high and honored and glorified and we praise you for that. Anoint us right now. of us that are teaching in the various classes God to deliver the word of the Lord and the heart of God in Jesus name amen amen well today being Father's Day I want to talk about God as our father and I want to bring some things out to you that I hope will be a blessing to you and something new and fresh for you of course being Father's Day I'm reminded of my own dad and we all are. My dad went to be with the Lord 20 years ago. And my daddy, as far as I was concerned, hung the moon. I loved him very, very much. He was, he was everything to me. And, you know, as, as a child growing up, he was a good daddy. He was good. He, he, he and Mama both were strong in the Lord. They were wise. He was a good man. He was a hardworking man. And I got a good lineage. I got a good name. And I praise God with that for that and i thank god for my times that i had with my daddy my daddy loved to fish and so the only time i could really have me time with my daddy was if i went with him fishing now now you got to get this i'm a girl and i don't like no fishing i don't want none of that slimy stuff <laughs> i don't touch it i still to this day don't want none of that but i loved having that time with my daddy And that's what it was all about with me. And so I just praise God for that. I am so grateful for that. Well, in the scriptures, we are told that we, as children of God, call God Abba, Father. And I want to talk about Abba, Father, today with you. Now, you may have had a very good dad. You may not. But you got the best in Father God. And we're going to talk about that more today. The Hebrew word Abba or Ab means a father, a progenitor, a begetter. It talks about the head or the founder of a household. It talks about the strength of the house in that he functions in a lot of different ways. He is our father. He is the head of the family, the founder of the family, the strength of the house, the support of the family. He is the provider of all things needed for the family. He is the commander of the army on behalf of the family. He gave his own son to continue the family line by bringing many sons to glory. We read about that in Hebrews as far as Father God. He is the priest of the family. He is the teacher of the family. He is the one that loves us and that cares for us, and we see that beautiful image. We're all pretty much familiar with that. But I want to talk about a new concept that came about in the New Testament. We know God is Father, and it's not foreign to us. But when, when Jesus began to speak to the people, and he was talking with them about the Lord's Prayer, for instance, and he said, you say, our Heavenly Father. That was a new concept to the Jews. They had not really seen God as Father. They didn't understand that. So we have that privilege here. Now, in the first time that the word Abba is used in Scripture, it's in Genesis 2, 24. And that's when God had created man and woman, and man was alone, and and God had made the woman for him. And then he tells the man, you must leave your father and your mother and cleave unto your wife. And that was the very first time that that word is used in Scripture. We're going to see in a moment the first time it's used of God in Scripture, but I want to share a couple of quick things with you that just blew me away this week as I was studying for this lesson. I didn't realize this, and this is kind of a, a side. It's, it's a little rabbit we're going to chase for a minute and then we'll bag him up. But anyway, um, I had never realized this, but when God made man and woman, I was thinking about why did he make man out of the soil? Why did he make woman out of a rib? You know, have you ever wondered about that? So I did a little bit of study in that, and I found that the soil contains all the enzymes and minerals and all that stuff that our bodies need to survive. And so God gave us that that construction from what he had created, where he had put into it everything that we needed for our survival, except our blood, which came from him, and the breath of God. Of course, man was not alive until God breathed in him. And then when he took the rib and made woman— This was very interesting. Number one, the ribs, the bones, are what make blood. So she was able then to be bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. She was able to have that blood because it was created through the bone. But the other interesting point that I found is that why do you take a rib? And I never knew this. And I'm not a scholar and I'm not a a doctor, so I don't know medically how this this goes but I was doing some research and I found out this that even surgeons today that need to do a bone graft on someone in another part of the body will take a rib and the reason is because the rib will grow back it's the only bone in the body that will grow itself back it will regenerate so God in his wisdom knew that took a rib and formed this woman through that, gave her the blood, the life-giving blood through that bone, and um, allowed that to come from a part of Adam that would then be able to regenerate itself and grow back. Now let's look at Deuteronomy 32, verses 1 through 12, I want to read. And this is the first time we read any passage in Scripture of God as Father, it's in Deuteronomy 32. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, and ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. And then it goes on, and it talks about, in verse 8, do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? He's asking a question, and he asks this. He says, is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? And then on down in verse 10, he found him, talking about Jacob, in a desert land, in the wasteland, a howling des- wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on his wings, so the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. So here, Moses is singing a song here. It's a song of praise to God, and he recounts God as Father who bought them and found them in the wilderness. And then he gives this verse 10 through 12 which I use is a great prayer for prodigals. I use it a lot of times and pray over prodigals that God will find them in their wilderness and watch over them, surround them, instruct them and lead them back home as an eagle would in brooding her brooding over her young. So I use that as a prayer for prodigals even here. But God, when he bought them, it means purchase, but it also means to create them and to own them. Moses here is testifying to God as father. The Jews didn't have that close connection with that. And that's why it was foreign in the New Testament. But Moses knew that God was their father. Now, what's so special about that? One of the greatest privileges and responsibilities of fathers in the New Testament, in the Scriptures, is this. They were delivering blessings over their children. They still do this today. The Jews still do this today. Every single Sabbath, every week, they deliver blessings over their children the rabbis will bring up the children and bless them. I've seen it done. I've visited Messianic Jewish congregations on their Sabbath services. And they will, they will bring them up. The rabbi will call them up. And they put them under the prayer shawl. Under the, they have a hoop of covering over them. And they will call up the boys first. And they'll deliver a blessing over them. And then they'll call up the girls. And they'll deliver a blessing over them. And the blessing comes from the Torah. And when in Mark 10, it talks about how Jesus said, don't forbid the little children, let them come to me. And it said he touched them and he blessed them. He laid his hands on them and he blessed them. Now, I don't know, the scriptures doesn't tell us specifically what he said, but I know what Jews have said and the blessing that they've delivered over boys and girls for 3,500 years, ever since it was established way, way, way back in Genesis and in Ruth. And we're fixing to look at those blessings in just a moment. But the blessing comes from the Old Testament. The Jews have done it for more than three millennia. And they still today, they do it in obedience to God's word. Where does that blessing come from that they deliver to them? In Genesis 48, 20, we read the blessing that they deliver to the boys. In Genesis chapter 48, 20, and Jacob is blessing Ephraim and Manasseh, and he says this. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel will bless. That's the instruction that the Jews take to bless the boys with every single Sabbath. By you, Israel will bless, saying, May God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he said Ephraim before Manasseh. Now what's the deal about that? Well, to understand the deal about that and what's so important and significant about it, you have to understand what their names mean, Ephraim and Manasseh, and who they were. They were Joseph's sons born to him in the land of Egypt from Joseph, who was Jewish, and from an Egyptian wife, who was a Gentile. And so you have Ephraim and Manasseh born to him, and Manasseh's name means that God has caused me to forget the toil. You have to remember that Joseph had been put in the pit first, remember? He had been rejected by his brothers, put in the pit, and stayed there for a while. And then he was sold as a slave, and then he was taken down to Egypt, and then he got falsely accused and stuck in prison for about 13 years. And so God had given him this great dream, and he still didn't see the fulfillment of it for several years. It was years before that fulfillment came. And during that time, though, Moses was solid. He was solid as a, I mean, Joseph was solid. He stuck with God, and he believed in God. And God did ultimately fulfill it. And so when Moses, I mean, when Joseph, I don't know why I'm stuck on Moses. When Joseph had those boys, he named the one Manasseh. Because God had caused him to forget his toils. Forget the hurt of all of that. Forget that he had found forgiveness. He had found that, that bitterness and that resentment or whatever. That it wasn't taking hold in his life. He wasn't letting that take hold in his life. He had forgotten the toil and the labor. And then he named him Ephraim, the second one. And Ephraim means blessed fruitfulness, double fruitfulness. And he said, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I mean, Joseph was still in Egypt when he made that declaration. He was still serving in that land, and he, he never went back to the land of Israel. His bones did, but he did not during his lifetime, and yet he knew the promise of God was true, and he believed it. And so he named him Manasseh and Ephraim for those reasons. And so when they bless the boys, that is the kind of blessing they're delivering over them. May God make you to forget your toil, your affliction, your oppression. Make you to forget those things in the past that you need to forget. And may God bring you into a land and a place and a season of double fruitfulness. That you will be fruitful, that you will be blessed. That is the blessing that they're delivering over the boys every single week in Jewish synagogues, including Messianic ones. The Messianic ones add also to the end something to the effect of, and may you ever walk in the footsteps of Yeshua Messiah. So they are also blessing them to walk in Christ and to serve the Lord. And the girl's blessing comes from Ruth four eleven, And it says this, And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. the Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Ephrataph and be famous in Bethlehem. And so they will deliver that blessing to the girls and ask God to make them like Rachel and Leah, and some uh, the Messianic Jewish congregations that I visited have also used Rachel I mean uh, Abraham I mean uh, Sarah and Sarah and Rebecca. And Rachel and Leah, that's what they will add to it. And then they will add that about walking in the footsteps of the Messiah at the end. So there's a blessing for the boys and the girls delivered every single week. Now let me ask you this question. We got a lot of children today that are hurt, that are wounded, that have suffered things before they even get to adulthood, that they never should have suffered, raised in homes where they're not cared for. Let me ask you this question. Think about this. What difference would it make in a child's life if at least every week they received a blessing and not a curse? How many of those children, if you ask them, could say something like this, that their parents have told them and their household, that their, their foster parents or whoever it is, oh, you ain't Nothing. You'll never amount to anything. I don't even care. I don't know why I had you. I wish I'd have never had you. So many children hear that today. And do you not wonder, does that not go into their spirit and cause them to be bitter and cause them to be hateful and cause them to be violent? What change would it make if Christians and people that love God and love their children would grab hold of the power of the blessing? And would deliver a blessing to them every day. Or at least once a week. In Jewish homes, some of them do it every single day. But they do it at least every Sabbath. How much more do you think that matters to a child? What would that do to build up their spirit? To bless them instead of to curse them. And I believe we'd see a change in our society. If parents and grandparents would grab hold of the power of the blessing. One of the greatest concepts of God as our father is that he is a blesser. He blesses his people. The word bless means to endue with power for success, prosperity, and longevity. It means to endue with power to succeed. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to have a long and full life. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to succeed in every area of our life. He is a blesser. He is a giver, not a taker. The first time that God blessed people was in Genesis 1:27 and 28, when he had made man and woman. And then God said that he blessed them. He gave them a marriage. He blessed them. And he gave them a command to go out and to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue the earth and take dominion. He gave them five things he told them he wanted them to do. Hallelujah. And he blessed them and sent them forth to do that, to do what his will was. God, through Christ, has blessed us as sons and daughters of God. In John 1, 12, he says that whosoever would believe in Jesus, those that receive him become what? Sons of God, children of God. We are children of God through Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, 3 talks about he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus Galatians 3.14 speaks of how faith in Christ opens us up to all the blessings of Abraham. All of the blessings that were promised to Abraham are ours. We're entitled to them. They belong to us through Jesus Christ. In Romans 8.14 and 15, that's where he talks about how we're no longer under a spirit of bondage and fear, but we now are called and we call God Abba. Father. Abba is a sweet word. It, it, anybody can father a child, but not everybody can be a daddy to a child. And that's what Abba means. Daddy, God. It's that sweetness. It's that sweet relationship. Abba's talking about he's our daddy. He's not just our father. He's our daddy. He cares about us. In Numbers chapter 6, I want to conclude here shortly talking about this. God gave in, in his word back here in Numbers the priestly blessing that they were to deliver over the people, over the Jews. Every single day when they served in the temple, every single day of the year, this blessing was proclaimed to the people at the end of every tabernacle or temple service in obedience to this command of God in Numbers chapter 6. And I'm going to read it to you. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, that's the priests, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, and he gives them the words to say every single day as a blessing over the Jews and the Gentiles that were in the temple and that were worshiping God because he allowed foreigners to come and do some parts of worship to him too. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will... Bless them. Hallelujah. This is a prayer for the living God, Yahweh God, to bless them, to endue them with power for success, to keep them, to guard them, hedge them about and protect them, to make his face shine upon them. That suggests that he is looking at us Face to face, his face is upon us with pleasure, with delight. He's pleased with us. He is excited about his relationship with us. He loves us. He's looking at us with pleasure, with delight. And that he would be gracious to us. That he would extend his grace to meet us, to cover us, to supply whatever we need in that moment. That all-sufficient grace that God spoke to Paul, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you to bring you through whatever, and that he will lift up his countenance upon you. Now, in Proverbs sixteen fifteen, it talks about how the light of a countenance, the light of the king's countenance brings life. There's life in that. And this is talking about, it's a beautiful image, absolutely beautiful image. It's of the, it's of a father, an earthly father, that has a young child, maybe a toddler, and he's got him kind of like this. The child might be giggling, and the daddy is laughing, and the daddy is pleased, and the daddy is looking at him. He's lifting up his countenance upon him. It's a beautiful picture of God. And this is what God wants to communicate to his people every day. He wants His people to know He's pleased with them. He loves them. He's their daddy God. He wants His people to know that His face shines on them. He wants that to happen for us. He wants us to know how pleased He is. And may and then the last part of it is may He give you His shalom, His peace, His soundness and wholeness and wholesomeness in every area. Of life. God wants this spoken over us every day. And you know, you can speak it over yourself every day. Write it on a post, on a note card or something. Stick it on your mirror or on your refrigerator or wherever. And read that thing every day and speak that blessing over yourself. Speak that blessing every day over your family. Speak that blessing from God over your children, your grandchildren. Your other, your extended family, speak it out. God said when he gave the priest that, that Im, uh, imperative, he said, say to them, there's power of life and death in the tongue. You got to speak it. Speak it over yourself. Speak it over your children. Speak it over your grandchildren. See what difference it makes. Speak it to them when you have an opportunity. Share it t- with them. Every night. Bedtime, pray it over them. Hallelujah. Share it with them. So in looking at Abba, Father, the name Abba, Father, we see God as our Daddy God. He's not just our Father. He's a sweet, loving, personal, intimate Daddy with us. I can think about, I can remember. You know, I'd call up to where my Daddy worked, (laughs) and... And the other guy that worked there, he, he learned me, you know, real quick. And I was just a little child, and I'd call up, is my daddy there? <laughs> you know, and, of course, he knew exactly who I was talking about. And, uh, you know, I'd get on the phone with daddy, and sometimes I'd ask him to bring me something, you know. He, he, he just was always that good, and he'd always love me, and he'd bring me little things, you know, at, at, during the day or whatever. He'd bring me a new baby doll, or he'd bring me some candy or something like that. And I had a sweet... A sweet daddy, and I had a sweet relationship with daddy, and I could call on daddy for whatever. Daddy would fix it. Daddy would help me. Daddy would be there. You see, that's our daddy, God. He is Abba to us. He's a good, good father. The song says he's a good, good father. He is perfect in all of his ways. He is perfect in His love for us. 1 John 4, 17 through 18 and 19 tells us that. He is perfect in His love for us. He is perfect in His care for us. Psalm 23, John 10 speaks of that, how He's our shepherd and He cares for us so dearly. He is perfect in His faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2.13 tells us that even when we are faithless, He remains faithful because he, why? He can't be anything else. He can't deny himself. That's who he is. He can't be anything else. He's perfect in it. He is perfect even in his discipline of his children. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 talks about that. He is perfect in chastising us and disciplining us when we need it. Because there's a peaceable fruit of righteousness he's after. There's a character development he's after when he has to do that. And I praise God. I can't tell you the number of times we all sin, we all fall short. And I can't tell you the number of times that when the Holy Spirit has checked my heart and brought me to a place of repentance over something, I will say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your precious Holy Spirit that corrects me. I want the Spirit of God to correct me if I'm headed down a cliff. I'd rather have that warning sign that says, Stop! Stop! Danger ahead! I want somebody. And if I go past it, somebody that will reach out and rescue me. Praise God! He is even perfect in His correction and His discipline of His children. He's perfect in all of His ways. And I want you to leave here this morning knowing on this Father's Day that you've got the best daddy The best daddy, the best daddy you could ever, ever have. Our fathers, perfect, I mean, good or not, they are not perfect. Every one of them will fail in some way. But you leave here today knowing you got the best daddy you could ever, ever have. And we have a privilege. It says, behold, in John 3, behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we may be called the children of God. Hallelujah. What a privilege to be God's child and to have God as our daddy. Praise his name. Father, on this Father's Day, in Jesus' name, we want to lift up a clap offering of praise right now to you, the greatest daddy we could ever have. In Jesus' name, we bless you, God. We bless you with it right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.